So we're going to switch it up. What do you say? You like different things? I'm going to preach first. Yeah, aren't you glad you're sitting here? Aren't you glad you didn't walk in as I was on my second point? People are going to walk in this morning and they're going to be like, what? Did I, is it daylight savings? What happened? I'm so confused. I want you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. Um, we are in a series called Stones. You know, we've talked about stones for a couple of weeks now. Um, the first week, we talked about how we need to drop the stones. I told you this, that forgiven people forgive. Do you remember that? Forgiven people forgive. And we looked at the woman that was caught in adultery. And here's what I told you that day. In a divided world, we need to drop the stones. So we live in a divided world, don't we? Have you noticed this? That people are on one side or they're on the other side. And so we want to throw stones at each other. And it's so easy to condemn people. It's so easy to pick a side and make the other side look like the evil side. But what God calls us to do is to drop the stones. Why? Because we've been, what? Forgiven. And forgiven people forgive. Last week we talked about the stones actually represent the blessings in our lives. And so we looked at um, the people of, of God when they were passing through the, the um, Jordan River. They picked out 12 stones. Remember that from the middle of the river? They put them on their shoulder. They carried them out. And they piled up a pile of stones so they could look at that and always remember that God had been faithful to them. But it wasn't just for them, was it? Remember, who else was going to see that pile of stones? Their children. And so it was to remind those children of what God had done for their parents. And then it wasn't even just for the children. At the end of that chapter, we saw that the purpose of that was so that the whole world would know, the entire earth would know who God was and that they would have a fear of who God was. And so we talked about last week, in a hurting world, we need to use the stones, use the blessings that we have so we can create a path for people to come to know God. This morning, this is a weird one. This morning, we're going to look at John chapter, Luke chapter 19, and I want you to see that in a confused world, we need to silence the stones. Silence the stones. Um, Luke chapter 19, verse 40. Here's what it says. Jesus is talking. He says, I tell you, and I know I'm just picking one verse out of a very long chapter. I'm going to give you the context in just a second. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet and the they were the people that were on the streets that were shouting out who, who Jesus was and singing out hosannas. If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. This is an interesting statement by Jesus. Here's, here's the truth. Here's your big idea today. So if forgiven people forgive and if blessed people bless, then what I want you to see today is that raised people praise. That's your big idea. Three words. You can jot that down. Raised people praise. Okay? At first glance, it's easy to wonder what Jesus is talking about. Let me give you some really quick context. Um, what I want you to see when he says, if, if they keep quiet, these people, then these stones will cry out. What, what Jesus isn't trying to do is form a rock band, right? He's not trying to form a rock band. He doesn't actually want the stones to cry out. What he's saying is if you don't sing, if you don't worship, if these people aren't crying out who I am, if they're not pointing to my identity as the Messiah, then these stones are going to do that. And so the first thing I want you to see is that worship is non-negotiable. Now, this is a hard way to start the service, right? Because, one, we're used to having singing first. 
which kind of lets us get ourselves in. We get settled because we don't really, you know, worship's kind of optional. Maybe I'll sing, maybe I won't sing. Let's get to the real important stuff. So worship for a lot of people has become a buffer to enter into church, kind of get settled, get my second cup of coffee while they're singing up on the platform. What I want you to see here, and this is a huge truth, Jesus will be worshipped. Period. It's non-negotiable. What he said was, if they don't do it, then these will do it. In other words, it's either them or it's this. It's either you or it's a stone. But I will be worshipped. That's what Jesus is saying. Let's look at the context really quickly. This is what's happening in Luke chapter 19. If you go all the way back to verse 8, Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector, hated by people, just made Jesus his Lord. In verse 8, he says, Lord. And then making Jesus Lord changes how he lives, right? Because Jesus becomes his Lord, he's like, hey, I'm going to repay everybody I've taken from. So Jesus being Lord changes how he lives. And then Jesus tells a story about people who did and did not honor a king in verses 11 through 27. He's talking about how there's a king, there's a ruler, and that ruler should change the way that these people live. And some of them were changed by that fact, and some of them were not. But it didn't stop the fact that there was a king, a lord. And then Jesus, command, he commandeers a donkey. I love this. Why does it say in verse 31, why did Jesus send somebody to go get a donkey? And what were they supposed to say when the person said, like, if I walked up to, some stranger goes up to Wendy and says, like, I need, a, I need your car. She's like, uh, why? And the answer was, the Lord needs it. I just want to make sure you're getting the flow of this context, right? In this chapter, Zacchaeus has made Jesus Lord. It changed the way he lived. There's a parable about some people who did and did not see the Lord as the ruler, and it changed how they interacted, how they made money, how they gave back to that king. And now Jesus is saying, look, I need you to go to this place, and I need you to see a donkey. It's going to be tied up. I need you to untie it. Don't ask permission. Just untie it. Start taking it with you. And when somebody stops you, as they most certainly will, and says, uh, excuse me, that's my donkey. Why are you taking it? All I need you to say is the Lord needs it. And now, where we are, people start praising Jesus. As This is the quote from verse 38. The king who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the context. So you've got to see this. Like they're laying coats out on the street. They're, they've put coats out on, to, on the donkey. Jesus is coming in to town, and all he's hearing is, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And in verse 39, the Pharisees turn to Jesus and say, Tell them to be quiet. Parents want to close their kids' ears for a second. If we bring it into today's culture, the Pharisees told Jesus to tell them to shut up. Right? Make them stop saying that. Stop them from saying that you're Lord. And Jesus' response wasn't, oh, I'm sorry, is worship a little inconvenient for y'all right now? 
we can stop. We'll, we'll tone it down. Let's tone it down. Hey, y'all, put the palm trees, put the palm branches away. Take the coats off. I'll just kind of come in quieter. Was that his response? No, his response was, well, if they don't do it, these stones. And the stones he's talking about are he's pointing to the stones all along the path. Well, they'll, they'll be the ones that cry out. Why? Because Jesus will be worshipped. Everybody say non-negotiable. Worship is non-negotiable. That's the context that he was saying. These stones will cry out. If you as people stop, these stones will start because I will be worshipped. I, I, I really believe this. I believe that some Christians in America believe that worship is just like a cool add-on to their faith. Well, if you can sing, then you add worship. If you're moved by emotion, you add worship. If you're not the smartest person mentally and can't figure out deep things of theology, you add worship. Worship's not negotiable. Worship has nothing to do with feelings or anything. It's not super cool. It's not like something we add on to the standard equipment of the car we just purchased called Christianity. Worship is Christianity. Worship is us saying to Jesus, you are the most worthy in my life. Worship is worth-ship. It's us saying nobody is worthy more than Jesus. Jesus will be worshiped. But Philippians chapter 2, if you can hold your finger in Luke 19 and just go to Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, shows us something even, even more clearly than, that, than the fact that Jesus will be worshipped. It says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge, your version might say, confess that Jesus Christ is, I'm sorry, what? Lord. Every knee, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So listen, here's uh, truth number one, right? Jesus will be worshipped. You got that one? Here's truth number two. Jesus will be worshipped by you. He'll be worshipped by me. Jesus will be worshipped by us. He will be worshipped by us. From the strongest believer to the staunchest atheist, from the most committed to the most apathetic, Jesus will be worshipped. Every knee. Everybody say the word will. Not might bow. Not will have a chance to think about it. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will will confess. So listen to this statement. I'll make sure you unpa we unpack this. Worship isn't negotiable, but it is postponable. And there are a lot of people postponing their worship of Jesus. It's not negotiable, but it is postponable. Which brings us to the end. This is like the fastest sermon ever, isn't it? Some of you are like, thank God. You go ahead and thank them all day long because you know what that is? Worship. I'm glad I could help you out. 
Let's close this with two questions that are going to hit all of us hard. Turn to the person around you and say it's going to hit you hard. And me too. Right? Question number one. When will you start worshiping Jesus? Just let that settle for a second. I didn't ask you when will you start worshiping because we're all worshiping something, right? Um, I didn't watch the game because it wasn't televised, but State won a football game. And if I'd have been, if I could have, I mean, that's, I know, and it's Liberty. I'm sorry, Sam. I felt so bad when I, because I was, like, pulling for Liberty, actually, as a State fan, because, like, this is a great year for Liberty. And I checked the score right before I went to bed, and State was ahead 15 to 14, but Liberty was driving. I could see it on my ESPN app. And, like, I was like, you know, because I'm a State fan, I'm just like, well, that's, you know, it's over. I mean, they're going to kick a field goal, and they're going to win the game. And State blocked the field goal. And State, I know, right? Come on, right? We're worshiping right now. And, and they blocked the field goal, and I saw it this morning. I was just like, wow, that's amazing. Like, I don't even think they had fans there. I'm not sure what they're, what they're doing with fans now. But if there had been people in there, and they had, like, blocked that field goal because it was at state, like, you know they'd have gone nuts, right? And long before that game was over, long before they blocked that field goal, there were already people that would have been in the stands that were worshiping a wolf because they would have had their faces painted They'd have had, like, big S's. I hope I did this the right way. Is it this way? I'm backwards now. Did I do it right? Or is it that way? (laughs) Okay, there we go. This is my practice sermon. I'll get it right for when we record, right? So, but, like, they'd have that pain on their chest. Like, I hope you you get what I'm saying. I mean, I'm not trying to rag you at all. And and in just a second, I'm going to show you exactly what worship is, because some of you are still thinking about singing, and it's part of it. But worship is so much more than singing, y'all. Worship is who do you give worth to? What do you give worth to? And so the same dudes that will show up in church this morning and be too reserved to do anything for the Lord would have been at Carter-Finley Stadium yesterday with their faces and chest painted, chest bumping each other after they blocked a field goal by the way, the fans didn't block the field goal, but they'll act as if they did. And they'll act the fool, but they, they would never do that in here. And I'm just going to ask you again, when will you start worshiping Jesus? It might mean if you start worshiping Jesus, it might mean you have to stop worshiping your checkbook, although none of us have checkbooks anymore, your bank account. You might have to stop worshiping your employee, employment. You may have to stop worshiping your house, your future house, the boat you've always wanted. You might have to stop worshiping a lot of things. A lot of things that we've placed ahead of Jesus. And we feel pretty good about it because we came to church today. But if we watched our lives, the question is, are our lives worshiping Jesus Or is our life giving us something else? Does something else take the place of Jesus being Lord? Let me ask you this again. When will you start worshiping Jesus? 
When will you bring your life into agreement with the reality that Jesus is Lord? And according to Philippians 2, you have two choices. Here and now, or there and too late. (laughs) Exactly. Judah's all over it. He said, start here and now. I know that's what he said. Because if you wait till it's there, it's too late. Do you know that's, to me, Philippians chapter 2, these are some of the saddest verses in the Bible to me. Because when I read that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. When I read that, all I can think of is there are going to be people that bow their knee to Jesus, that worship and acknowledge him as king and as Lord too late. They're going to realize too late that he was the most important thing, person in their life. And they wasted all of this down here on earth. And now they see him for who he is and they can't do a thing about it. And the last thing that people are going to say as they head into hell forever is Jesus is Lord. They're going to confess the truth, but it's going to be too late. And so I will say again, when will you start worshiping Jesus? Here's the second question. I told you they are going to hit hard. That was hard, wasn't it? Y'all good? I have the stone squarely out of your reach, right? Question number two. How loud is your worship of Jesus? Now, we're not talking about singing. Worship is worth-ship, right? So how loudly does your life, how loudly does my life speak to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Is it loud enough to silence stones? Is it clear enough that your life communicates that Jesus is your Lord? Not just Jesus is Lord, but he's yours. He's your Lord. So, in 2020, what have we learned? Well, we've learned that um, our lives communicate clearly that there are a lot of lords, and Jesus isn't always one of them. Well, he can't be one of them. There's only one Lord. But if people watched our lives this year, what would they say is Lord of our lives? Fear, opinion, social justice, sexuality. All these things drive us more than the Lord leads us. How loudly is your life worshiping Jesus? That's a heavy word, y'all. Um, one last verse, Romans 6, 4. So you can see why we're going to sing last, right? Romans 6, 4 says this. 
we, can we qualify who the we are? When Paul says we, he means those of us who have made Jesus Lord. Those of us who have said that Jesus is going to be my Lord, he's my Savior, I'm trusting in him for everything I need in this life and in the life to come. Right? You with me? I hope that's all of us in the room. I pray that it is. We were therefore buried with him, Jesus, through baptism into death in order that, this is our part, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we may live a new life. In other words, what Paul's saying is when Jesus died and was buried on that third day, on that Sunday, when he resurrected, he was raised to life. And who was raised to life with him? Okay, good job. If I was giving out candy to the winner, you got all of it, right? But that was such an obvious answer. So I'm going to actually ask you to open your mouth. When Jesus was raised to life, who was raised with him? It's always this side. Struggle over here. We were raised, y'all. We. Answer was the first word in the verse. We. Those of us that are following Jesus, we were raised to life with him. And why were we raised to life with Jesus? So that we too may live a new life. Listen, y'all, we weren't just raised to life. We were raised to new life. Our lives should look different today because we met Jesus yesterday. And this is an epidemic in the American church, y'all. Our lives don't always look different. Because Jesus is a hobby, not the Lord. We listen to what he says and weigh it with everything else, and maybe we'll take it, maybe we won't. If it makes us feel good, we're all about it. If it makes us feel bad, like right now, I know it's not making us feel good, then we're like, eh, I'm not sure I like that part. But he's not a buffet, right? He's the Lord. And so what he says goes. Because we were raised to life. And what I want you to see is that raised people praise. And not just, um, in a minute we're going to sing songs. And some of y'all are going to love it because you're like, that's my favorite part. And I just could sing all the time and you're going to love heaven. And others of us in the room were like, it's not my favorite part. I don't know how to sing. And I don't know all the words. And it's, but, but thankfully when I get to heaven, I'll have a different body and I'll maybe have a different voice and it'll be great, right? Like I get it. I get it. But worship in here when we're singing songs, this should just be a reflection of what you've just done the last six days of your life. The last six days of your life, which might not have had much singing at all unless you're a car singer, the way that you spent your money, the way that you spoke to other people, the way that you served other people, the way that you met God in the morning or in the evening in his word, the way that you took note of what the word says and that you made notes about it, the way that you might sit at home and listen to hymns, the way that you dress, the way that you live is worship. And if we live like we're not worshiping Jesus as Lord Monday through Saturday, I'm going to tell you right now, I got the hardest job in the world. Because I get to spend Sunday trying to convince you 
to open your mouth and sing to a Lord that you've not even been living for. How loudly does your life worship Jesus as Lord? Because he will be worshiped, and he will be worshiped by us. The only question is, will we start now, or will we start then? And I'm begging us to start now.